Good morning, Springbrook. The Christmas season is now in full swing, and uh, wow, this year really went by fast, and uh, we're here to kick off the Christmas season because it's one of the most exciting times of the year when we celebrate that Jesus came to be one of us, Emmanuel, God with us, and Jesus is the reason for the season. We want to continue to help us focus and keep, uh, again, that as our main focus as we move uh, throughout uh, this year. Well, I'd like to show you a picture and tell me what's wrong with this picture. Hmm, what could it be? Hmm, yes, the wise men, exactly. Uh, there's three wise men, and there could have been three wise men, I just want to say that, but it doesn't detail it in Scripture. There were three gifts, so the assumption is you have three wise men, and there could have been a lot of wise men, or two wise men, or any type of uh, number. The second thing is that they were not there the night of Christ's birth at the nativity scene. Uh, because in Scripture, as we'll see, it probably took about two years for them to travel to actually see Jesus Christ at the house, Scripture says, that he was at. I've taken this on as a cause in my life. It's the Wiseman Truth Initiative, founded by Dan Harrison in 1989 when we started the church in Wisconsin. And our slogan is, Truth over tradition. The members, oh, there are many. There are many after almost 30 years. Many people have come to know the truth, but there are so many more people to tell. Our purpose is to aggressively communicate and correct nativity scenes. It's the only biblical scene you have in your house, I don't think you have David and Goliath and, and figurines or anything like that, but it's just, it, it's an important thing from Scripture, and you want to represent it in the right way. But because of the myth, because of traditions, usually you'll find the wise men in the nativity scene. So first of all, it starts with you. It starts in your heart, really coming to grips with the fact that this is the truth, that no matter how much that nativity scene means to you, passed down through generations, you are willing to say, no, we must speak the truth and take those wise men and move them away from the nativity scene and put a, a note card that just says, arrive two years later. That's all you have to do. You know, you just need to get them out of there. Uh, even the Catholics get this right, right, Epiphany, right? Like January 7th or something, uh, that's when the wise men came. They're closer than, 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 than we are in the way that we see the nativity scene. And so we need to do it ourselves, but then also we need to help other people understand. And what I found probably that works the best is not to talk and reason with the person, but to actually, if you had a Christmas party, to actually move them. Move them, let's say, to the bathroom on the toilet uh, top there, or 
or move them in the backyard or just move them away and leave that note card so they will know what the truth is. In fact, I've become so passionate about this over the years. Uh, this is uh, Living Waters. They had a nativity scene, and they do, a couple years ago. And uh, so I decided that I was really going to take my beliefs uh, to the street. So I went and actually moved their wise men to the side under the cover of night. And, uh, and then I said, oh, that's not good enough. I'll put them on the side of the building. Arrived two years later. You see that uh, piece of paper there? No doubt. Well, uh, the pastor helped me. <laughs> we had a good time with that. In fact, the next year, this is what it looked like. They put the wise men far away from the nativity scene. So it's just step by step by step. I'm just wondering if there's anybody here uh, who has joined the wise men uh, truth initiative that could just share briefly about that. Anybody who started to attend Springbrook and said, oh, I didn't know that, and they actually have moved their wise men. Who do we have here? Oh, okay, Brother O'Meara. Excuse me, Emily. Whoops. Tell us about how your life changed. Oh, stand up, life, stand up. oh i got to stand up, too. My life changed dramatically. <clears throat> In my heart, I always knew that the wise men should have arrived two years later, but I buckled to society, but Pastor Dan taught me the truth, and now right. I follow the truth. And who have you told about it? How oh, everyone. Oh, good. Oh, oh I oh, stop yeah. people on the streets. Oh, my. I go oh, to my, malls my, and just oh, I gather them around me ah. and preach the word. You are a big-time member. Let's thank Mark for his representation. Anybody else want to speak about their Wiseman experience? There has to be more here. There has to Phil, tell us about your Wiseman. Stan? Yeah, you do, uh, sure. Got a Bears. That's great. I don't think we moved it. <laughs> she decorates it. What? She decorates it. She it's what? Cheryl decorates the house. Oh, okay. All right. So Where do you do put your wise men, Cheryl? Still put them at the nativity scene? Yes. Really? I'll put a little note there. And are they right in the nativity scene? Pretty much, yeah. Okay. <laughs> How long have we known each other, Cheryl? You were in my youth group, right, back at Bethany. I don't know. It personally pains me. I mean, you've heard me talk about this forever. Is there a reason for your rebellion? They just go with the set. Ah, that, that, that's it right there. They go with the set. Hey, it was created to be like this. Come on. They, it looks right. But Cheryl, my pr I'm praying for you, okay? That you would come around, that your eyes would be open. In fact, I was talking to an individual uh, after our service, and they said, this is the 15th time we've talked about the wise men. And he said, this time I'm going to move them after 15 years. So Cheryl and Phil, you've been here a long, long time. In fact, I might come over to your house and just uh, do some personal counseling with you in that regard. So this is all you have to do two years later. In fact, we had a guy in the first service. Uh, 
he had a t-shirt on and it said, save the three wise men. <laughs> He'd worn it just for today. <laughs> so, yeah, we have a good uh, time with it. Well, let's take a look at this very familiar story. And the question today is, what gift are you going to give to Jesus? Anybody finish their Christmas shopping out there? They're all done? Anybody almost all done? Anybody not started? There we go. That's where I'm at. That's right. (laughs) But, you know, it's interesting how much time and energy and love we put into getting the perfect gift for the people that we care about. But sometimes in the midst of all, we forget that it's Jesus' birthday and we really haven't thought of a gift for him. What do you give a God that is everything, (laughs) right? Well, you can give him a lot of different things uh, that he would enjoy. What is your gift to Jesus? Let's go to the Christmas story in Matthew 2, 1. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem. So, Jesus was born. Now, after Jesus was born, all right, so it wasn't that particular night. In the days of Herod, we'll talk about him in a moment. Behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem. Now, who were the wise men? Well, in fact, one of the most well-known biblical characters in Scripture was a wise man, and his name was Daniel. Remember Daniel in the lion's den? Uh, We're going back to the book of Daniel here, and what had happened was Nebuchadnezzar uh, was the king when Daniel was serving as a magi, And then Belshazzar was his son, and Belshazzar was very rebellious against God. He brought out all the gold items, utensils from, uh, again, the temple of storage, wherever they had that, and and they put it out at this big meal. And so it was just mocking God, and all of a sudden, this hand appeared, just a human hand, no no, uh, arm, and it wrote uh, something on a wall, and he couldn't interpret it. And he got all his chief priests and wise men to try to figure out they couldn't do it. And then someone said, there is a man, Daniel, in your kingdom in whom is the spirit of the holy gods. So they knew there was something very special about Daniel. In the days of your father, Nebuchadnezzar, light and understanding and wisdom like the wisdom of the gods were found in him. So what this person is saying, that he was really special. I mean, he had incredible wisdom, wisdom that nobody else could touch. He was different. He was unique. He stood out. And isn't that a wonderful encouragement to us in this dark world where people are lost That's what God has called us us to do, to be a light to this dark world, to stand out, to be different, to have other people say, you are very different. Now, that might be in a positive way or a very negative way, 
But it doesn't matter. We're supposed to shine our lights for Jesus. And a question we all need to ask ourselves is, okay, uh, my family, do they see me as uniquely different because I follow Jesus? Or my neighbors or people on sports teams or other friends, would they say, you live your life differently? Maybe they don't know why. Maybe they do. But that's the goal is that we should be standing out. We shouldn't be blending in with everybody else. People should know that there's something unique about us because we know Jesus Christ. And he goes on, And King Nebuchadnezzar, your father, your father the king, made him chief of the magicians, enchanters, Chaldeans, and astrologers. And that was this group of very trained, academically uh, trained, all the disciplines. Uh, and they, they, they kind of mix science with the supernatural and astrology. They studied all different types of things. But one of the things that they really liked to do was astronomy. They loved to study the stars. That was their favorite thing to do, to go out and study the stars. And what happened was when Daniel was chief of this group, and it went on for years and years and years, but when he was chief, he taught them about the Old Testament. He taught them the Scriptures. He taught them uh, the prophecies that Jesus Christ was going to come and be the Messiah and that there would be a special star during that period. So, so over hundreds of years, this was passed down you know, through the generations, and they were always looking for this very unique star that Daniel had talked about. I mean, year after year after year. And can you imagine the moment when they were just out looking again, nothing new, and all of a sudden, boom, they saw it. A, a star that came from they don't know where. I mean, they knew all the stars. They knew their names, all that type of Big Dipper stuff. They knew that. But this was a brand new star because Daniel had told them they had identified it. Like the Roman historian said, there had spread over all the Orient an old and established belief that it was fated at that time for men coming from Judea to rule the world. Well, that was from Daniel, right? Matthew 2.2, 2, saying, Where is he, this is what the wise men are saying, Where is he who has made born king of the Jews? For he saw his star, we saw his star, when it rose and have come to worship him. Now, we need to understand that the wise men saw this star, but they were far away in the east, and scholars believe it was like 700 miles away, and, and they had to travel on these camels, and, and they had to travel probably for a year or two, as we'll see later, uh, the reason for that. So they really wanted to, to see this child that was a very special king that had been talked about through generations. Now, again, when a wise man, a magi, traveled, they had a whole crew of people around them because they were very important people. And when you were traveling in that day, it was very, very dangerous. I mean, there were robbers and thieves and all kinds of wicked people who'd want to, uh, you know, rob them. So they, 
Typically, back in that day, a wise man would have a hundred people in his entourage, you know, military and whoever he needed. So you just didn't have three or four or five wise men. You maybe had three or four or five hundred people accompanying whatever wise men that were there. And you got to think it took like two years. That's a long, long journey, right? But they had such a passion. Such a desire to worship this very special child, so special that a star had appeared, a brand new star they had never seen before. And they came to worship him. Matthew 6, 33 talks about what our attitude should be, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and and all of these things will be added to you. And, of course, the truth there is if you keep your eyes on Jesus, if you keep him at the center of your focus and you live in respect to Jesus Christ, everything else is going to take care of itself. But the problem is we drift and we get shifted in other things and, and life goes haywire when it doesn't need to sometimes. But they were seeking how many remember the Encyclopedia Britannica? Raise your hand. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, when I was younger, uh, we had a set. It was an older set. They come out with a new set each year. And really, the Encyclopedia Britannica was the Internet to us. I mean, that's really, it's true. If you wanted to know something, you went to the Encyclopedia Britannica. It was in all the libraries and Anybody sell Encyclopedia Britannica? <laughs> it was very, very popular uh, because it was the Internet at that time. Now, what do we have today instead of the Encyclopedia Britannica? We have Wikipedia. In fact, I was on their site uh, this past week. In fact, how many were on Wikipedia this past week at some time? Well, yeah, there's 495 million people that access that site every day. It's the fifth most used site in the world because it's an encyclopedia, but it's open for everyone to add. Now, they have different ways. They, you know, prove um, somebody will submit something and somebody will look at that. And, but it's just phenomenal. The ideas came for it, you know, in 1980s, 1990s. But then in 2001, that's when it officially went public, and it's been on. <laughs> it's bigger than ever. In fact, every Christmas they say, hey, listen, do you want to keep this encyclopedia free, or do you want it to be impacted by advertisers? So I always donate some money to this Wikipedia. I, basically, it's just a cup of coffee, three bucks if everybody did. So, yeah, this is very valuable to me. Well, we're blown away, in a sense, by the knowledge there. But, friends, this Bible that I hold in my hands, the Word of God, the inerrant, no errors, inspired by God Himself, this is what God has given us. And, and with smartphones and media today, you 
I, I know that I can just be captured here and there. Oh, there's something interesting. There's something interesting. And it's very interesting. And sometimes when we read the Bible, it's just not, it doesn't present itself in the same way. But this is so much more important than anything you can find on Wikipedia. This is God's Word. And, and if you have a personal relationship with Jesus, and if you don't, we'd love to talk with you about it. Jesus died for you in order that your penalty for sin might be paid for in order that you might have a relationship with God. That's the gospel. If you have that relationship, the Holy Spirit is within you, and you take in His Word, and it transforms you. 2 Timothy 3.16 All Scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting and training in righteousness so the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. This is our life book. And we talk about giving a gift to Jesus this Christmas. You know what Jesus wants more than anything for his birthday? He wants time with you. There's nothing he wants more than to, for you to spend time with him, and of course, as Matt was saying, you know, I mean, it becomes a blur December, but maybe that's a gift you want to give to Jesus. You're saying, Jesus, every day, I want to be in your word. And you go to the Version Bible, the most popular. They have all kinds of Christmas readings that you can do, and you can do them with friends, and I encourage you to take advantage of those. But be in God's word. We think, well, it'd be much better if I was serving in the church. No. God would rather have you first be in His Word, listening to Him, right? Talking to Him, strengthening that friendship that you have with the Creator. So maybe you've been kind of off lately. That happens all the time, off, up and down. But get back into His Word. In fact, on the insert that I put, in the uh, program, I, I put God's gift. Why don't you take that out at this time? And, and it says, uh, my gift this Christmas. And just as we go through this message, be thinking about, okay, what can I give to Jesus? And maybe you're going to say, I'm going to be in his word five times a week, or I'm going to be in his word every day. I'm going to give 10 minutes, 20 minutes, whatever it might be. And again, let the Word of God saturate your Christmas gatherings. Read the Christmas story. Have the fun Advent uh, calendars up for the kids. This is a beautiful, exciting time to teach them about who Jesus is. Memorize a verse as a family or as a small group. Just dive into the depths of God's Word. And the more time you spend swimming in God's Word, in a sense, the deeper you're going to go. And that'd be a great gift that you could give to Jesus. Matthew 2, 3, when Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. <laughs> when Herod got troubled, that was a real problem. You see, Herod was a very ambitious young man who went to Rome 
And he wanted a territory. He wanted to be a king, and he knew about Israel, that area over there. And so he lobbied and he worked in order that they would send him with an army to take that particular area for uh, the Rome, Roman government. And, and so he worked hard at it. And so he went over there and he established Roman rule. And, of course, we've talked all the time about how much the Jews hated the Romans, and they wanted to be freed by their Messiah, their political Savior that they thought was going to come, and they really hated Herod. Oh, Herod was maniacal. He was evil. He killed his mother-in-law. He killed three of his sons. He killed his wife. He would kill anyone who got in the way of he being king. He was full of pride and bitterness. And he was just like the worst. In fact, he even had people killed the day he died because he knew, he knew nobody would be mourning for him. Uh, so other important people were died so they'll be mourning. How sick is that? That's Herod. And when Herod was troubled, oh, man, bodies started to drop. And so everybody was concerned. In fact, the, the word troubled is the same one used in Matthew in the Greek. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said it's a ghost. And they cried out in fear. I mean, people were really on edge. So what Herod did is he got all the chief priests served in the temple and the scribes who were experts in the scripture and he inquired of them where where the Christ was to be born they told him in Bethlehem of Judea for so it is written by the prophet I mean they knew right away <laughs> I think oh this is, this is an easy question because <laughs> they got the question wrong who knows what they what Herod would have done to him and so Prophecy of Micah. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. And of course, that's talking about Christ being born in Bethlehem. We'll talk about Bethlehem in another message in this series. So that they knew. They knew where Bethlehem was. Now, you would think if you had hundreds of people show up from the east that these scribes, these chief priests would say, huh, maybe that's something we should check out. Maybe we should see if this Jesus is out there. But there's, there's no sign in Scripture, right? No sign in Scripture that they did anything why is that? Why? Wouldn't they just out of curiosity, a field trip, I mean, check it out? Because the Israelites' hearts were hardened. They were hardened. They had no interest in a Messiah. <laughs> That'd be a suffering Messiah. In fact, if you look at Psalm 22 and Isaiah 53, both prophecies of Christ, but he was a suffering Messiah. That did not fit with the political Savior. Well, they didn't know there were two different times Jesus was going to come. The first time he was going to come 
as a suffering Messiah, and the second time he was going to come as a political Messiah, one might say, one who would rule. And so they rejected him. And, you know, when we talk about that, uh, what is a gift you can give Christ this Christmas? Well, the greatest gift you can give is the news about the good news to someone who doesn't know it, right? What greater gift to give? Think about somebody in your life right now. Maybe it's a family member, family member, brother, sister, mom, dad, friend, and their eyes are darkened. They cannot see Jesus. They cannot see or understand the gospel. And your incredible privilege is, first of all, to pray for them. It's like Matt talked about last week. Before people come to Jesus, they don't have any spiritual energy. They're corpses, right? So we need to pray that God would open their eyes in order to understand the things of God. And that, if you have anybody in your life that you have a burden for, pray every day that whatever is covering their eyes would fall so they could so, so they can see it and then on top of that do something show Christ's love to them because the holy spirit uses that for them to see clearly do whatever just to say hey i love you i love that you're my friend or whatever the relationship might be but we need to think about lost people especially during christmas then Herod summoned the wise men secretly. You don't want anybody to know. We got a possible king out there. And ascertained for them what the time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. So I may come and kill him destroy him because nobody is touching my kingdom that's what he was doing and so the wise men okay until they later found out what his true uh, motive was in fact herod was so possessed by satan that we see in matthew two sixteen. then herod when he saw that he had been tricked by the wise men they didn't tell him became furious, and he sent and killed all the male children in Bethlehem and in all that region who were two years old or under, according to the time that he had ascertained from the wise men. How many have a two-year-old or younger? Yeah. Can you imagine that, the government coming in and saying, your child dies? What weeping there must have been, what mourning there must have been at that time. So after listening to the king, the wise men went on their way. And behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. Now, this is really cool, okay? All right. Now, the star of Bethlehem, there's all kinds of ideas of what... They saw a comet, a supernova, a star. I'm not sure what it was, but I'm pretty sure I know what this was because 
the, the star came and rested over the house, if it was a real star, the whole area would have been torched. That whole side of the earth would have been torched. That couldn't have been a star. So what was it? It was the Shekinah glory of God. What was in the Holy of Holies, what guided the Israelites through the wilderness during the day, this brilliant light of who God was. And these Egyptians had been on this long, long journey, two years, and they had, I think, I don't know if they kept seeing the star or what in that context, but when they started off toward Bethlehem and at some point, the Shekinah of glory of God appeared before them when they saw the star. They rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. Oh, I love that verse. Oh, rejoice. Can you imagine how stoked they were? They've been waiting this all their lives. They've been waiting for the star. They... They've been waiting for the Christ child. And all of a sudden, they see the Shekinah glory of God. And it rests right on top of where Jesus lived in Nazareth. You see, that's why they were the only... Now, again, you had a lot of people, but it wasn't in Bethlehem. No, no, they were led to Nazareth. And there they were... And they found the Christ child, but nobody else knew that it was a Christ child. You can think of Joseph and Mary. It was a very lonely, lonely journey for them, right? I mean, it was very confusing to them, and that's a whole other story. But can you imagine Mary and Joseph, you know, <laughs> just an average day, you know. Joseph's doing some carpentry somewhere, and all of a sudden, this entourage shows up, and the whole city is a buzz. <laughs> like, where are these people coming from? You know, Mary's probably in the house of the kid, or maybe, I don't know, maybe she's out front, whatever. And they all come, and these three, four, ten, two men, right, they come up to this child, and they bow down and they worship him because they know that he is the king. He is the God king that they learned about when they were children. And now they were in his presence. They were worshiping him. Worship. You give attention and, and your life to something that's worthy. And God is the only one who is truly worthy of our worship. And I get so frustrated with myself because sometimes I find myself chasing idols, chasing entertainment, chasing fulfillment, whatever it is. I'm not chasing God. I'm drifting. And my prayer for you and for myself as we go throughout this Christmas season is that we would spend time with God and that we would celebrate who 
He is. And I know for some of you right now, the Christmas season is very painful. Maybe you're grieving over the loss of a husband or wife or loved one. Or maybe life's been going in the wrong direction for a long time. And the problem with the holidays is that, you know, everybody says, well, you should be happy. All the music, you know, you hear a lot of, you know, depressing music, Christmas music. <laughs> it's all joyful, right? And if you really want to just get away from it all, check out the Hallmark Channel. They've got 30 new Christmas movies of pure fantasy and unreality. And people buy into it because they can't find it anywhere else. They'll live vicariously through that. But we can come to God. We say, God, I'm in so much pain. I'm suffering. I don't feel Christmassy at all. I just feel the negative of it. And what's wrong with me? Nothing's wrong with you. You're experiencing a sinful world. But friends, the beauty of it is that in the midst of your suffering, you can turn to His Word and He can pour grace into your life and give you hope and just enough hope for the next day, right? Just like the manna that came down one day, why is that? Because God wanted them trusting in Him. And I'll tell you, sometimes in my life, it's just getting from the next day to the next day. And God shows up every day for me. Good days, bad days. Especially the bad days. God shows up. And it's enough to get through that day. Right? Your compassions are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. You know that song? Your grace is enough. What does that mean? All of God's comfort and love and encouragement and conviction. That's all His grace. And He uses each of us to pour into other people's lives through our spiritual gifts and sometimes we're just going hour by hour and uh, it can seem like God isn't there but that's where faith comes in so uh, for those of you who are suffering turn to God's word turn to com verses of comfort and just say Lord it's okay that I'm not joyous and happy because everybody says that I should. In fact, in reality, if you knew the truth, the majority of people are not at Christmas time. And it makes the pain worse because our culture tells us you should be experiencing this fantasy. And you're looking at Facebook, oh, they seem to be experiencing the fantasy. You don't know what's going on in their lives. Stop it. We always look at other people. Oh, well, look at them. You wouldn't want their lives, I'll tell you. If you knew, you wouldn't. Well, I'd like to try. No. Don't believe the lie of Satan. Well, 
What is a gift that you want to give Jesus this Christmas? You might you know, write that down and tear it off and put in the offering, whatever. Um, just a way to kind of help you to take that next step. Maybe it's just leaning on His grace throughout this year, throughout this day, throughout this month. Maybe it's uh, getting outside of yourself. There's somebody in your life who's going through a real difficult time and you've been too busy to help them. So you give them a call and say, let's go out and spend some time together. You give them a financial gift. You help them in a practical way. Maybe they're a single mom. and There's something with the house. Or maybe you serve whoever in your life. And the same generosity that God every day shows to us, that is the spirit that we need to have. As we go through December, whether we're rejoicing or mourning, we need <laughs> we need just to be generous with other people. And again, if you're struggling, there's somebody probably struggling more than you that you can reach out to. You don't you have to own your own pain and live through that and process through it with God, but you know, serve others. Keep Jesus focused in your life. Let's pray. Dear Holy Father, I pray that you would uh, continue to use this passage in each of our lives. Some people here, they're, they're very happy. I mean, things are going well, and we rejoice with them, but some people here are struggling. And we mourn with them. And we reject the fantasy that this world promises us. We reject that fantasy. You are God of so many good things, but you never promised us a perfect life. Lord, I pray that you would bring us closer to you. I pray that all of us would spend time in your word, spend time listening to you. We're, we're so going so fast, it's, it's even hard for us to look at a verse and stop our, slow our mind down enough to really drink in what you have for us. Oh Lord, may we be a blessing, especially to those who don't know you, who don't know your son Jesus. That is the greatest joy, just as the wise men rejoiced when they saw a star again. That's what we want to do. Is see people come to that point where the, the cover drops from their eyes and they see you like we've seen you. In Christ's name, amen.